brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Today, I am joined by Sinead Duffy. Sinead is the Head of NGO Engagement at Bayer. As a PR and public affairs professional, Sinead is an advocate for great communication, and in particular, the communication of science. She says, it's all about listening. We only have one mouth, but two ears for a reason. Sinead, welcome. Thank you, Katie. Great to be here. So Sinead, can you share with us what you're working on right now with Bayer? Sure. So right now, all hands are on deck in supporting the fight against COVID-19. So as a health and agriculture company, it affects us across the board from ensuring the safety of the teams who research, produce and distribute medicines to those who support farmers to grow crops for our food. And for me, I work on the global stakeholder engagement team. And given the size of this challenge right now, engaging globally, sharing information, being open and working across across borders is essential. And right now, um, companies like Bayer have a tremendous impact given the areas we work in, but also because of our global reach and the impact on the local communities and on local communities and on families. And I think, I suppose right now, COVID-19 has highlighted that we can't act individually. We must act in a comprehensive and connected way. And quoting Dr. Tedros from the WHO during the week, who said, with a comprehensive approach, we can suppress and control this virus. And I think, you know, coming from a small island country, I'm a big believer in the need for us to work together to make impact. And we have a saying in Ireland, which goes, which means there's no strength without unity. And I think we see that now in the midst of this crisis more than ever before. And Sinead, what is Bayer's response to the coronavirus? So basically, because of the position in producing medicines and diagnostic tools, Bayer can contribute in a range of practical ways. And one of those practical supports is across the organisation, we have colleagues who have medical backgrounds like doctors, nurses, paramedics, and the companies supporting them to volunteer in the fight against, the coronavi- against coronavirus in their local healthcare systems. We're also collaborating with government agencies, hospitals, doctors and others to donate supplies and medicines to those affected around the world. And I think, you know, again, to the point of connectivity and the need for connectivity, we've joined forces with other manufacturers of medicines in the COVID-19 Therapeutics Accelerator Initiative, which was established by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And that involves opening up our vast compound library to find and develop effective novel compounds against COVID-19. Then, you know, medicines still need to get out to patients, of course. So we've put measures in place that will protect our product supply to ensure that patients continue to receive any essential medicines they need. And then, you know, there's also the opportunity to look at different ways of using the equipment that we have. So we're offering testing hardware to hospitals and are planning to repurpose some of our R&D sites to offer high volumes of testing in our labs. We're also starting to produce disinfectant agents at larger scale in selected R&D sites. And then in addition to all those kind of practical supports, we've also made financial donations to hospitals in Lombardy. Sinead, what should we expect from Bayer in terms of their social and environmental impacts over the longer term? 
Sure. So, I mean, I guess our vision is health for all and hunger for none. And we recently announced ambitious sustainability commitments to be delivered by 2030. And my work involves creating dialogue with people externally and internally to help understand how we can deliver on these. I mean, with Corona and post-Corona, we're still going to have the same challenges because of the areas that we work in. And our goal is to contribute, to make positive contribution to society through our core business. And that's going to be important in the longer term for, you know, particularly things like the continuity of food supply. So things like supporting smallholder farmers. So more specifically, we want to make a contribution to finding solutions to the most pressing challenges of our time. And they include healthcare, agriculture, and above all, combating climate change. And we know that we can't do this on our own and working with partners is essential. So a lot of my role is about engaging with experts, NGOs and societal players. And my work focuses on connecting with others outside the organisation who understand these challenges that we're trying to address and have knowledge and expertise that's different to our own. Because it's really important to hear other perspectives and understand you know, how others are looking at a challenge before you start to try and solve it. So I think in sol- trying to solve big challenges, it's vitally important to listen to the different perspectives and to find the opportunity to share yours. And, you know, many of the times we don't necessarily always agree. And I have, a, you know, a big believer in sometimes being able to agree to disagree. And the other area of my work is really around building bridges. And I think companies often employ people like me to be the interface between different groups where we don't always speak the same language. So we might be working on the same thing, coming at it from different perspectives, but we have a completely different worldview. So I think in those kind of cases, listening and dialogue is the starting point to understanding different perspectives and working together to make real social impact. And I'm a firm believer in the the notion of two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. And Sinead, what do you think is driving these things? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, our responsibility as a company has increased and so has society's expectations. And our leadership is committed to this approach and they've made sustainability one of buyers' uh, strategic levers. And as our CEO, Werner Baumann, said recently, the transformation to a sustainable future can only succeed through the efforts of global companies. And in this respect, sustainability and business have to go hand to hand. And as he says, green goals must be achieved profitably. That's coming at it from the company perspective and the conviction of leaders within the organization. But I think, you know, from an external perspective, society also expects companies to act and shareholders demand it as well. And people like Larry Fink, chairman of BlackRock, has done a lot of work in this area in recent years. And in his annual letter to CEOs, He has mentioned that companies that don't respond to stakeholders and address sustainability risks will encounter growing skepticism from the markets and in turn have a higher cost of capital. And then he also said this year that those that champion transparency and demonstrate their responsiveness to stakeholders will attract investment more effectively. So I suppose ultimately purpose is the engine of long-term profitability. I'm always really keen to hear your advice and insight from within your organization. So Sinead, what would be your sort of top trends that you're seeing in the world of work that you exist in? Sure. I mean, I have to say, I think, you know, what's what's really becoming more apparent is the the impact 
that the stakeholder community and the shareholder community has on businesses like ours. And I think, you know, the increased link between social good and profitability and the rise of so-called ESG investing, that's environmental, social and governance, where investors' perspectives are changing. And ESG investing involves investors researching and factoring in the environmental, social and governance issues of a company, in in addition to the usual financials when they evaluate potential stocks for their portfolios. And I think another thing that, you know, really strikes me is the role of the CEO as an advocate for change and the, you know, the increased acknowledgement that if, if big players and leaders of big companies act, it'll have a knock on effect, you know, from to a wider range of stakeholders. And I think, you know, we see it through as we, as we go through the coronavirus crisis, leaders both in the political sphere and in the commercial sphere who are prepared to speak up. And, you know, use their voice for good or having tremendous impact. And I think in addition to that, consumers are really driving how companies do business. And, you know, for me personally, as a consumer, as well as an employee of a large multinational, I think it's really going to be interesting to watch how consumer preference will drive business to make different decisions. And I think, you know, we've seen sustainability become a more common term in everyday uh, conversation. And I mean, personally, I have a little penchant for clothing and fashion and one of the things that i see more and more now is clothes clothes with labels about you know sustainability so i think those kind of things that bringing sustainability into the mainstream and how we make purchasing decisions is going to have a bigger impact in the future so sinead you moved from pr to public affairs and now you're looking at ngo engagement what's really driving your career path i think the common thread is a fundamental wish to make a difference and a passion for communication particularly when it comes to science. I think these days we probably call it purpose. And I suppose when I think back on my university days, I studied psychology and then later communications. And I'm really interested in understanding people and how they communicate and how that has an effect, you know, externally. And then, I, you know, when I started my career, one of my early roles was working in a social enterprise, which was an EU-funded project supporting people with disabilities to work in the community. And the project was a partnership between a large American multinational organization, a local community group, and an NGO providing training and employment to people with disabilities. And my job was life skills training, which was helping people who worked on the project to learn new skills like how to use money or things like learning how to say no. And through that, I really saw how firsthand how a powerful partnership between different sectors can be and how bringing together different perspectives, skills and expertise can deliver tremendous value and social impact. And from there, I spent a number of years working with a heart health charity, and it showed me the importance of health promotion and preventing illness and disease. And I've always been really interested in health and wellness and doing what we can for our own health, self-care, if you will. And I guess, you know, I, I thought long and hard about moving into the corporate sector, and I wasn't sure if I'd feel the same sense of purpose moving into the multinational world. But it's certainly shown me that big companies can have a huge impact. And if they decide to make even a small change, it can create huge social impact, impact at scale. So I think that's, you know, one, one thread. But I think the other side is I'm really interested in the potential of science and how fundamental of understanding of science and trusting in, in science can have impact on our health. And, you know, going back to the late 1990s, My studies took me to look at the media treatment of the MMR vaccine 
and the impact it was then beginning to have on immunization and children's health. And it was frightening to see even back then, and this was the very early days of the internet and Dr. Google, how a piece of research that was subsequently discredited had such a lasting impact on public health. And I guess, you know, that's really spurred me on as well, because throughout my career, I've worked on public engagement around things like the HPV vaccine for young women. And so again, how distrust in science can lead to skepticism about an intervention that can really have a positive impact on health. And, you know, at the, at the core of all of this is the importance of those who have the most reputable knowledge, the scientists, and have the ability to share it and communicate it with others in a way that people can understand. Our fundamental, really, to our understanding and us being able, as a community of people, to ask the right questions and really, you know, educate ourselves. And I think we see that more now in the midst of our current health crisis than ever before. So for me, the, you know, the, the ability to make complex science simple and the ability to connect with people is something that run through, runs through my career. And, you know, I work for a German company now and, you know, work with a lot of engineers and very, very bright technical people. But with my Irish background, we're not known for our engineering or technical skills, but we do have an ability to love a good story and have a great love of interacting with people. So I think that's probably been another thing that's woven its way through my career to date. Oh, you can't get rid of those cultural norms, can you? They follow you everywhere. <laughs> but it'd be really interesting after sort of watching and listening to the commentary around coronavirus and how much, I don't know about where you're sitting in Germany, but certainly here in the UK where I am, we hear a lot more scientists and experts through the news channels than we have done in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important because, you know, I've seen the rise of that, particularly in the UK, where you know organisations have really made it their mandate to train scientists and give them a voice. And I think universities and commercial organisations where scientists, uh, you know, are work, working and their work is central to, to outcomes. I think, you know, there's much more of um, an understanding that they also need to learn how to communicate and how do media training. So I think the world has probably changed in the last 20 years in terms of giving voice to science, but equipping scientists to be able to speak up. And I think we have a lot more work to do on that. And I think we also see it in political leaders. You know, I look to the, the case of my own home country, where the Irish Prime Minister Taoiseach has spoken up as a medical doctor and as a you know, leader of the country, but spoken very powerfully and very credibly about what this means and what people need to do. And similarly, another person that I'm watching quite closely in all of this is Dr. Mike Ryan from the WHO. And he's a veteran of pandemics like the Ebola crisis. And again, you know, when he speaks, it's in a very authoritative, but very plain speaking way and giving, you know, giving people simple information that they can really follow. And I think that's going to be so important as we move forward. And, you know, I think, I hope there are lessons that we learn from this. Sinead, and what would be your advice if somebody's listening to this podcast today and just starting out on their career? I think, you know, follow the passion of the things that you're interested in. When I started out in my career, I wanted to be a journalist. And that was because I like to write and I like to read. And, you know, over time, I studied different things. But ultimately, it's led me to a career in communications. So I think, you know, you can find your way and you can wind, wind around. And I think you can always evolve. And, you know, when you work in different sectors or you work in, you know, maybe have a career through a company, you can try different things. So I think, 
stick, find something that you're passionate about and that you really love and then see where that road can take you and, you know, never stop learning. And Sinead, uh, thank you very much for your time, for your insight. And thank you very much for sharing a little bit more about what Bayer is working on right now for coronavirus, but also for the longer term. Thank you, Katie. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 